0: Hello my fellow crazies. Hello all you intelligent people watching this at home. (laughs) So um, I've had a cold and somebody thought of me. Thank you whoever that was. But uh, my doctor prescribes this. Does your doctor prescribe Mountain Dew? Ask your doctor if Mountain Dew is right for you. So, It's just in case. Oh, I'm so glad that everybody's here today and everybody made it safe and those who stayed home and were wise or whatever. We're on a 30-week journey over this year. This series, Believe, is great. We've broken it up into three 10-week sections throughout the year. We're just looking at, first of all, what do we believe? If you're a Christian, what do you believe? Or if you're interested in becoming a Christian, what is it you all believe? And then this summer, we're going to take the next 10 weeks and talk about what do Christians do? What are those practices that make you a better Christian? And then later in the fall, we're going to talk about the last set of 10, the virtues that God is trying to develop in us. It starts with what we believe and then it's what we do and then it's who we become. And this has been excellent. So you might be in a conversation with someone who does ask you about your Christian faith and they might say, well, what do you believe? And you could tell them week one, here's what we believe about God. I believe that." Uh, the God of the Bible is the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then, Alex, I won't single you out today like I did last week, but you could quote the first memory verse, 2 Corinthians 13, 14. May the Say it with me if you know it. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Hey, see, there you go. And uh, then somebody might say, okay, well, you believe in God, but does he really care about me? And you could say, well, yeah, I believe that God is involved in and cares about my daily life. And you could quote Psalm 121, 1 and 2. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth, right? And then you go, okay, well, then... Can I have a relationship with that God? And you could tell them what we learned last week, that I believe a person comes into a right relationship with God by his grace through faith. And you could quote them Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, which I'm sure all of you could do because you're learning your memory verses. First, by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, so that nobody can boast. You can't brag about God saving you. It's a gift. You just say thank you. Well, we got 27 more to go, 27 more memory verses. You guys are doing great. I'm sure you're studying every week. I really would encourage you. I'm not just being sarcastic here. I really want you to put in the hard work to memorize these verses every week. They're on your worship folder. And uh, the key idea, too, if you want to get bonus points like the elders and staff are, we're trying to learn all 30 of the big ideas along with the memory verses. But here's what you're doing. I want you to grow in your faith and as we're going to talk about today, this is part of that. When you're talking about the Bible, you know for sure you're telling the truth, and you want that to go deeply into your life. These are things that God can use in moments of your life where you really need truth that you can cling to, and he can bring that to your mind because you did the hard work earlier to memorize it, and so, and you, as you inculcate these things into your life, you will find that you're changed and you're transformed and your faith is deepened and you will experience a freedom like other people around you are just jealous of. And that's God working in your life. This is uh, Today we're talking about the Bible. This is not the Bible I started with when I became a Christian and was baptized. My mom gave me a red Bible, red cover, and my name was on it. And it was awesome, because these preachers, uh, we go to all these revivals, and they'd always make the same joke. Who has a black Bible? Raise it up. So everybody, who has a blue Bible? Raise it up. Who has a red Bible? Raise your hand. And I could always raise my hand. And he says, say, see, all of you should have an R-E-A-D red Bible. And I'm like, hey, I'm the only one here who does both. I may not be reading my Bible, but I have a red Bible. Here's the key question for today. How do I know God? How do I know anything about him? And how do I know what he wants me to do? What's his will for my life? Well, That's what the Bible talks about. What do I believe? You look at the Bible. What should I be doing as a Christian? You look at the Bible. What am I becoming? You see what the Bible says about that. What's my purpose in life? How should I treat the people around me? How should I uh, handle disappointments in my life? How should I deal with success when I find myself there? How do I handle my finances? How do I figure out who I should be dating or who I should be marrying how, how do I decide if this is the job I should take or that job? How do I know what God wants me to do? We find it here. Here's, the, again, the key idea. I think this is God's inspired word that guides my beliefs and actions, that this has the right to guide my beliefs and my actions. There's a key verse that we're going to look at. I'm, this is the New Living Translation. I'm not actually going to read it out of this one. I'm going to read this out of the new NIV New International Version, because that's what we're all memorizing together. It says, all scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So Paul wrote these words. It's found in Second Timothy. Paul is an apostle of Jesus, a church leader and he's writing to one of his young proteges, Timothy, he's a pastor in a church, and he's giving him all kinds of advice and he's telling him, Timothy, your Bible is so useful to you as a pastor, because you can use it for so many things to help people become godly. And and he uses this really powerful image of what the Bible is at the beginning when he says all scripture is God breathed. If you're at all familiar with the Bible, is there anywhere else in the Bible that it talks about God breathing something? Yeah, right? So if you go all the way back to the beginning in Genesis, when God first created Adam, he formed him out of the dust of the ground. He used the elements that comprise our universe, uh, what is like carbon and all the stuff that makes a human body, but he wasn't yet alive until God breathed life into his nostrils. And that's the same exact word to use what God does for the Bible That when you're engaging with this, I know this is just a book, like if if you were stuck somewhere and you were in an emergency, you could use the pages to start a fire, that God's not going to be mad at you, this is just paper, but the words that it contains are actually God-breathed, and they have the power to do something for you the same way that he literally breathed life into Adam, that this can change you and transform you. I don't know if you believe that or not. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or shake your head or anything, but do you believe that the 66 books that comprise a Bible have that kind of power to transform you? Could you stand up here and uh, tell a story of how God has changed your life through something you've heard from this or learned in this or encountered in here? Do you believe this in a way that you think it's so true that you'll act on it as though it's true? If it says it, this must be how things really are. I'm going to take it, and I'm going to actually act on it, I'm not going to feel like I'm doing something really dumb when I do what it says. Yeah, you know, I know some of you truly believe in your heart that the Bible is God's word, and I'm not criticizing you, but the only reason you believe it is because you trust the people who told you it was the Bible, and that's a good start. I'm telling you the truth. I don't want you to come in here and be cynical and suspicious of me every week, like, hmm, is this guy really telling us the truth or not? That's a good starting point, and that's where I started with the Bible. The people that I loved and trusted told me this is God's word. But at some point, you've got to move on beyond that. You've got to do a little bit of investigating for yourself. You can't just take other people's word for it that the Bible is the word of God. And I'm I'm thankful you trust me, but you can do a little bit of investigative research and find out that there's actually good, credible reasons to think this is something unusual and unique among all of human experience. There's actually credible evidence that what we have now is what was originally written. And so you don't need to go to a a class and hear somebody cast aspersions on the Bible and say, well, it was just all put together later, well, after all the the miracles happened and then they wrote it down. No, Um, there's a lot of good, credible reasoning behind why this is the word of God. And you ought to investigate that for yourself. And there's integrity here. Now, some of you, I don't need to tell you this because you are wired as a skeptic. And you're already automatically suspicious of anything. Your first place you go to is Snopes for everything. And I'm with you. I am one of you. So, And you've already, just to understand that there are places you can go and there are books and resources I can point you to that can walk you through how we know that this thing is a book of integrity. So I would just encourage you to do that. But if this really is God's word and you've decided that you're going to base your idea of what's right and wrong on what you find in here, and you're going to actually place yourself under the authority of God's word You can do that, um, and it's really your choice, because you can also, like your free will brought you here today through all of this, and so I think there's something in you that wants to hear this, but at the end of the day, God doesn't force anybody To do what this says to do. And he doesn't tell anybody, I'm going to just literally put my hand between you and the thing you're not supposed to do. It's up to you whether you decide to submit to this or not. And it's up to me to decide. And you don't ever use this to batter somebody else into submission, literally or figuratively. That's not what it's for. But this is so important to realize if you have committed to Jesus, so I'm talking to you. If you've already stepped across the line of faith, you said, yes, I'm, Jesus is my Lord, he's my leader, you've obeyed him by being baptized, the first thing that he commanded you to do once you follow him, then you need to understand this is a package deal. We can't just kind of go pick and choose what we want to accept and what we don't. If he's Lord, we need to do what he says. And one time Jesus actually said to, that to some people, like, why do you call me Lord if you don't do what I say? Why would you do that? So here's the thing. If you embrace Jesus... And you embrace the Bible, he's going to invite you to embrace all of it, even when you don't fully understand it, even when you don't agree with it, even when you don't like it. This is part of it. This is the final word. But it's amazing what God will do in you and through you when you do embrace it. There's a great prophecy and just a great scripture in Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet about seven 800 years before Jesus was born. Listen to something he said about God's word. And this is God himself speaking through Isaiah. It says uh, in Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11, the rain and the snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It's the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. I want you to think about what this means for you, because you're actually doing this right now. You're listening to God's word, and what he promises is, in your life, if you will take this to heart, and not just hear it, but you'll put it into practice in your life, you will flourish. Same thing as when you go out in this, this spring and you plant flowers and tomato plants, those things will flourish if you take care of them, and God's word will change your life, and you will be a different, better person if you will do this. God promises it, and it's right there. And even if you go back a verse, and then in verse 9, it says this, just right before what we read, it says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, God says, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You kind of know you're getting into something that God wants you to do when it disagrees with what you've always thought or what you've always believed or what people have always told you or, or what you want to do. And I love this because God's saying, I can see further down the road than you can and I'm willing to tell you what I see if you will just listen to me and trust me. I'll tell you, I'll warn you about some things. And he's God exists outside of time. He exists in eternity. So he sees the beginning and the end. Jesus said, I'm the alpha and the omega, like that's the A and the Z of the Greek alphabet. I'm, I'm all of it, and I can tell you where you need to go. In fact, over in, uh, this is another great verse. You may want to memorize this one, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your own heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he'll show you which path to take lends a whole new meaning to my way or the highway, right? I'm going to do things God's way. Now, I want to just tell you a couple of things about connection. You've been here a while, you probably know this, but one of the things that's incredibly important to me and to our elders and to our leaders and just as a church is this. This is one of our core values. We believe in biblical teaching for all ages. It's why we have Aaron Jackson, an incredibly talented teacher, who leads our children's ministry and our youth ministry, because we want good biblical teaching for all ages. There's no reason this should be boring. It is so relevant for all of our lives, and we need to figure out what does God want and how do I do it? And so this is important. One of the things that we've said in, in our movement of churches is where the Bible speaks, we speak. And where it's silent, we're silent. In other words, if the Bible doesn't have a lot to say about it, we can agree to disagree. But if it does say something, that's a big rock, and we ought to base our life on that. Another thing that we say here at this church is that we want to do biblical things in biblical ways. So if there's something in the Bible that it tells us to do, let's do it the way the Bible says to. Baptism is a great example of that. In the Bible, everybody who was baptized into Jesus was immersed in water. So that's why we do that. We do biblical things in biblical ways. This is really important to us. So, hey, I want to. If you would, just go back over to Second Timothy again. That's our memory verse for today. That's the key idea that we're building everything on. I want to go back and just look at part of that expression, so we can just kind of get really practical about what we can use the Bible for, and what you can walk out of here today and use it for. So that key verse said that all scriptures God breathed, and it said it's useful for several things. Uh, what were they? Like teaching, and rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. Let's just delve into that. What does that mean? Teaching seems pretty obvious, right? It literally is the word instruction. And that's what we're doing here in this first section of Believe. I'm just going through what the biblical teachings are about what we believe, the biggest things about God and Jesus and compassion and salvation and the Bible. And we just there's things that we need to get into the database. I remember thinking one time when I was a youth minister, how easy and how nice it would be if all the students in my ministry just had like a a CD drive at that time, and now it'd be like a jump drive. Just like you could just go, and I could just download all the information that my students needed into their head, and and I don't even have to correct all the bad things they've already learned in their life, and just put it in there, but that's not how it works. You have to learn it over, that's how God wired us, and I don't know about you, I love learning new things. I think God made all of us that way. We have that curiosity. So we want to be curious about what the Bible says, and we want to put ourselves with good teachers and in a great connect group where you can learn things. So the teaching part, that's really good. And then there's the rebuking. <laughs> Everybody at some point has probably had something in the Bible that rebuked you, or maybe it was someone who rebuked you. They got up in your business. They, they got under your skin. They, they called you out on some things that you really would rather not have had yourself called out on. But that's what the Bible does. A rebuking is when you were to maybe go to somebody and say, what you're doing is hurting yourself, and you need to stop. Stop. Rebuking is when you go to someone and say, you really need to be doing this more. Maybe it's a buddy of yours, and you just go, you're like, the way you talk to your wife sometimes is not respectful, and you need to stop that, or you need to like, treat her with a little more kindness and compassion. I don't know. You, you've probably done this before. You've probably, if you have good friends, they've done that for you. So uh, I've um, been doing keto for about a year, thanks to Jeff Hosey, and I follow a keto, I don't know if you know what that is. It's... Um, Mountain Dew's on a keto diet, it is. There's a message board on Facebook that I follow, and people will post up, I'm new to this, what do I do? Can you tell me if this food is keto or not? And there's a couple of moderators, they're always really patient with people, but one day, this lady posted something, and I don't want to judge, but what she posted was just a hot mess. She said, I'm doing this, but I'm having these, I'll just fill in, I'm eating these things that I shouldn't be eating, she didn't say it that way, I'm just telling you, I'm eating these things I shouldn't be eating. I'm having horrible health symptoms that I probably ought to go to the ER for, but I'm going to go to this message board to ask you instead. The moderator jumped in, turned off all comments, and said this. Literally, he said, you are making a mess of keto and making yourself sick. And he also told you, you need to get some professional help. Go get to a doctor. That's a rebuke. What you're doing is hurting you. You need to stop. It's not meant to make you feel bad in a way. It's not meant to make you feel judged. It's just saying... This needs to stop, and you need to go in a new direction. And the Bible is truth. So here's my advice to you. If you feel like God has given you the gift of rebuking other people, maybe he has. If you're ready to go clobber somebody with the Bible, please use it as a mirror before you use it as a hammer. Make sure you got all your business worked out. Didn't Jesus have something to say about that, like getting the the log out of your own eye before you deal with the speck in somebody else's eye? So we just want to be careful how we use this and we want to be careful, and we want to make sure that we do look at ourselves and let it examine us before we rebuke somebody else. You know, there's another thing. It says that when you use the Bible, you can use it to correct yourself or someone else. It's a little bit different than a rebuke. This is a, it literally means that you put something back upright or back into the place that it goes, and the Bible will sometimes help correct your behavior or your beliefs. It's a part of our church history. Some of you are around for this, Anybody around when we were in the elementary school? I don't know if you remember that or not. We would go into this elementary school, and at 7 in the morning, we would start hauling out chairs, and sticky with syrup. Oh, you never want to touch the underside of an elementary school chair. But we So we would, at 7 in the morning, we would go into all these classrooms and everything and tear it all down, get it ready for church. And at 7 in the morning, you're convinced, I will remember where everything goes at 12 o'clock when it's time to put it all back. And then at 12 o'clock when it's time to tear down after church, you don't remember where anything goes we finally got smart. We got an idea from some other church planters who helped us. They said, what you do is when you go in a room at 7 in the morning and you don't want that teacher to be mad at you on Monday morning, take a picture of the room. And then at noon, you just make it look like the picture again or you draw a diagram. And it's easy. Just, that's how you correct something. This room is a mess. After five hours of church, we can correct it and put it back where it goes. And the Bible is like that for us. We look at what it says we should be, and then we look at where our life is, and we go, I want to come in alignment with this. Let me give you a really practical example for all of us, okay? So, for example, you might think about how you talk, and you might think you talk fine, And then you read some things in the Bible, it makes you go, oh, maybe I need to work on this. Maybe there's some things that need to be corrected. James chapter 3, verse 9 and 10, maybe you're reading this, where it says, you know, sometimes our mouths praise our Lord and God, our Father, but sometimes it curses those who've been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is a rebuke. This is not right. I don't know if that speaks to anybody else, but you ever find yourself saying good things and bad things out of the same mouth? I think that's 100% of humanity. And James says that's not appropriate. You need to correct that. You might be then going over to Ephesians 4.29, and you read this in the Bible. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And you go, okay. I got some work to do there. And then you, maybe even a little bit earlier, Ephesians 5.4, obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You know? Stories that I used to tell with the, the guys, things that I used to let fly when I'm driving down Interstate 70, maybe those need to go away. Because I've always felt comfortable with them. Everybody in my family talks that way. All the friends that I hang around talk. But the Bible says this. And so what I'm going to do is, even when I don't like it, understand it, or agree with it, I'm going to let this correct me and not try to conform this to what I want to do or what I want to think. That's just a simple example. So there you go. Value added. Aren't you glad you came to church today? You got rebuked and corrected in one <laughs> So And then it's also training in righteousness, too, right? It teaches you, like, okay, so I know what I'm not supposed to do. What am I supposed to do? Well, you're supposed to be encouraging and wholesome and positive. So here, here's all I'm saying. In this book, you will find truth. You will find wisdom. You will find direction for your life. You will find insights that you would never have got out on your own. In fact, what I'll just tell you, this has the power to transform your life. It's essential to your spiritual progress, I can say it in no other way than that. If, if you're following Jesus, this is an ingredient that's a part of your spiritual progress. And if you're only eating and, and consuming this on Sunday morning, you're not getting enough. You really need it more than that. It's got to be part of your life. And you've got to get the Bible into you for it to make a difference in you. I'll give me an analogy. There was a couple of cyclists out. I know some of you probably used goo, right, or gels when you're running or cycling. Some of you exercise, right? Does any of this look familiar? You've seen it in Walmart, maybe. So two cyclists are out, and one of the guys goes, oh, man, i got to stop. i got a cramp in my calf. And the other guy pulls out out of his saddlebag on his bike. He just says, here, try this goo. It it works for cramps. The other guy tears the top off, rubs it on his calf, and goes, oh, yeah, it feels better already. It's not how it works. You're supposed to eat it. (laughs) It's the same thing for the Bible. It's got to get into you to make a difference for you. And so you go, well, hey, look, I got the Bible app on my phone. Well, good for you. So do I. When's the last time you opened it? So you've got a paper version of the Bible. Do you know where it's at? Is it under the the bed gathering dust? Is it in the back seat from last Sunday? You've got to get in this and get it into you for it to make it a difference for you. Here's what I like to do with this. I, I like to use this Daily. And I think that's what I would say all of us need to be doing. Because if you're not, spiritually, you're anorexic. You're, you're starving and you don't even realize it. Do you have a, com, a committed daily time to get into this? Do you have a time that you read the and Don't feel guilty if you don't. I, I, that's fine if you do, if it motivates you to do something. Because here's what I want, really want you to do. I want you to, right now, pick a time that tomorrow and the rest of the week, you will get into your Bible what works for me is when I wake up in the morning, my Bible is literally laying on the nightstand next to the bed, so I just turn the lamp on and start reading, or I'll put my headlamp on if I'm getting up before Kirsten, which is rare. Uh, but if I am, you know, I'm just, I just read it because that works. Maybe for you it doesn't. Maybe for you it's like, no way, my Bible will be sitting on the counter next to the coffee maker. I will get up and then when I'm a human being, after two cups of coffee, then I will read my Bible at the table or on the deck or whatever. For Maybe for you, it's I'm going to go to work and on break. Maybe it's at school during study hall. Maybe it's in the evening. I don't know. You know your rhythms of your life better than I do, but you need to pick a time. Will you just do that right now? Pencil it in or just think in your head, I'm going to, for the every day this next week, I'm going to read my Bible. If you don't know even know what to read, let me give you a couple suggestions. Maybe start with the Gospel of Mark. Or another great idea, just take the worship folder and take the verses we talked about on Sunday and just go back and read them all week. Just get a committed time. And one thing I will tell you, do not do. Now, this is what Pastor Rick Warren calls the dip and skip method. What am I going to read today? I don't know. Let's just go here. Here. It doesn't work real well. I mean, if you're thinking like, oh, God, what do you want me to do right now? Just read. So, I don't know if you've heard the story before. There's the guy who said, I'm going to find God's will for my life. And so, he did the dip and skip, and he goes, Judas went out and hung himself. What are you trying to tell me, God? You know, and go thou and do likewise. No, no, you don't want to do that. You want to actually go in a methodical manner. And another thing that I might suggest for you here. Uh, so we're doing this Believe series. There are some books that go along with this. If you're in a connect group, you maybe have already bought a study guide. We also have another book that has a chapter each week for each topic, and it's just five bucks. It's usually like $20, so it's a great bargain. You, you got to buy it just because it's on sale, if no other reason. You can read that along with your Bible. It's got a lot of Bible verses in it. So, uh, you know, and if you want to take it up to the pro level, you like, I'm already reading the Bible every day, then memorize the verse every week. And then I'll bring you up on stage and you can correct everybody else who hasn't read it yet. Hey, I'm just, here's what I'm asking. I'll close this out. Will you take this seriously? Will you take it for more than just you know a book that might have some good ideas? Will you discover what needs to change in your life and make the changes? I'll tell you what happens. God breathed life into this and God's Holy Spirit will accompany you as you are studying this and he will help you understand it and he will help actually help you Make these things a reality in your life. And some of you, you've you've maybe had this experience. This has put you into an uncomfortable place because it disagrees with things you've always thought or things you've always done. And the Bible will do that. It will correct our culture. It will correct our beliefs. It will correct our behaviors. But isn't that kind of what we need? And I just want to speak simply to those of you who would say, this is all so new to me and... I'm not judging you at all, believe me. This is why we exist. We're constantly trying to invite more people to get connected to God and each other through Jesus. Just start your journey here, and God will welcome you, and he'll meet you when you do that. So here's the bottom line. We believe that the Bible is God's inspired word, and we believe it has the right to command our beliefs and our behaviors. But for some of you, maybe you would say, I don't even know where I'm at with God. Maybe today is the day that you say I just need Jesus to be the Lord of my life and I need to take that step. We exist to help you have that conversation with God. So the the band's gonna come out in just a moment and lead us in a song. I'm gonna pray for you. Here's what I would invite you to do right now. Just have this conversation with God as I'm praying, just asking God, what is it that I need to do next?